Welcome back, everyone. The Braves are on an excellent streak at the time of this recording. If they win one more game in a row, they will be on pace to win most games in a regular season ever. It's been awesome playing the Twins this week. It's been a lot of fun. With that being said, I think it's no better time than to talk about Charlie Morton. He's been getting a lot of hate lately, so let's see is it really warranted for what the hate that he's getting on social media. You know how we like to be here on Braves Dugout Podcast, bringing it to you for real with no bias involved. So let's get started with that. Man, am I happy to be back. I finally have my voice back after what seemed like forever. I started healing up and then I started losing my voice again. I don't know what it was. Didn't have COVID or anything like that. It was just a very long cold that continued to take away my voice. And what a terrible thing to happen as someone that does podcasting and talking on radio shows and stuff. I mean, there was even a podcast interview probably three or four weeks ago that in the I mean I legitimately lost my voice in the middle of the interview I felt really terrible about it but it is what it is and we're moving on but anyways so today what I want to talk about is Charlie Morton here recently it's been all over social media the past few weeks where fans have just been basically trashing Charlie Morton's performance and I get it you want everyone on the team to do well but we're kind of going to break down on, is this hate? I don't want to use the word hate, but bashing, unwarranted. Is is Are the expectations too high for Charlie Morton for what he was supposed to be, what he was signed on to do? Uh, what does his numbers actually look like in comparison to the league? So I want to take time and do that. But first, let's talk about why do you think these expectations are so high? And I did a post on Twitter a few days ago, and there were tons of comments, like probably the most comments I've had on a post in a long time. And a lot of it has to do with apparently what a lot of fans are upset with. And I don't know if it's in reaction to me throwing out, spitting out some true numbers about Charlie Morton. And so people are backtracking on why they were upset about it or if it was truly how they feel. So I can't speak for everybody, but... A lot of the comments had to do with, well, he's paid $20 million, so he should be pitching like it. Or, well, with Kyle Wright and Max Fried Hurt, it's possible that the expectations are for him to be the leader or the number one or two pitcher on the staff, and he isn't pitching like it, and things like that. So what I really want to do is I want to explain the money side of things, why the expectations don't make sense, and kind of show you how well he's actually doing in comparison to the rest of the league. One thing I do want to point out is, yes, I am not going to sit here and say that Charlie Morton is pitching like an ace because he is not. He is not pitching like a staff ace. He's not pitching like an MLB ace. But at the same time, he's 39 years old. He was not expected to do that, 
and that's fine. He was signed on to be the Braves' number four starter. Does that? And then people, when I said that, people would say, wow, I wouldn't want to pay $20 million for a number four starter. Well, he wouldn't be a number four starter on a lot of teams. He's the number four starter for the best team in the National League. That's not saying that you're paying $20 million for a number four starter on the Detroit Tigers or the Oakland A's. This is the number four starter for the Atlanta Braves. A little bit different, okay, when you talk about teams that are in a competitive window versus teams that are not in a competitive window. When you start labeling pitchers in a rotation as number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, whatever, truly it's arbitrary. But when you say like number four, what I mean by that is the fourth best starter in the rotation. Not the fourth best starter in any rotation, the fourth best starter in the rotation they are in. And I do think that there is some weight in the idea that since Max Freed is out and Kyle Wright is out, that Charlie Morton, other than Spencer Strider, is the one name in the rotation that people know. And so they're expecting him to either have the type of performance he had in the playoffs or just because he's the other name that they know for the past few years, they expect him to be one of the top starters in the rotation. And that makes sense. I get it. I think that has something to do with it. Is it fair to do that to him? I mean, you're a fan. You can feel however you want. But truly, that's not what his role was supposed to be when they signed him on. Of course, it is. it also helps to see people like Bryce Elder come up and do better than Charlie Morton. Ultimately, that's a good thing. Bryce Elder's pitching better than Charlie Morton. It's a good thing Spencer Strider's pitching better than Charlie Morton. It's a good thing that a rookie from AAA can come up and have a better start than Charlie Morton. Insert random rookie that the Braves have brought up. Now, of course, there's a few people that say Charlie Morton should be pitching better than the rookies they're pulling up. And from an overall standpoint, he is. Look at Jared Schuster's and Dylan Dodd's numbers. He is pitching better than them. Uh, Just for what it's worth, if you're looking at purely a run prevention standpoint, ERA, ERA+, he is pitching better. He does have a better ERA+, than Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd. So, just for what it's worth, it's not a very good argument. But what I will say is that the grief or the complaining for Charlie Morton has really been in his last five starts, right? And, of course, uh, they really started complaining in this last start. Even though he only gave up three earned runs, it was really a lot of complaining in his last start. So, during that start, I calculated the numbers, and for during his last five starts, have actually been fairly decent. He's had an ERA of 390, a 392 FIP, which means he hasn't been lucky. And he had 39 strikeouts and only five starts. I don't, and I said I genuinely don't understand the grief. Now people say, well, his pitch count is high or whatever. And that's fair. His pitch count was high, but he was still getting the results, right? And And just for what it's worth, that 390 ERA is 9% better than the league average 427 ERA across the league. So you've got a guy who 
in the last five games is pitching at a clip that is 9% better than league average. That's huge, right? Now, 9 seems like a low number, but let's put 9% in perspective, right? Oh, and by the way, his full season worth of ERA is at 381, so it's actually lower. Uh, but anyways, to put perspective, a 9% different in ERA, let's just look at the placement, right? That's a full 10 placements in starting pitchers, right? So, like, in Major League Baseball, a 9% gap would make you better than 10 starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. And for what it's worth, that's approximately. For just for what it's worth, Charlie Morton is 36th among qualified pitchers. He's 36th in ERA among all of Major League Baseball starting pitchers. Considering there's 30 teams, that's still pretty freaking good, right? So, yeah, if you look at his stat cast page, it looks like he's going to have some regression. That is true. 100% is true. He is getting too many base runners. He is high in pitch counts. He is giving up more hits now than he normally does. However, I will say, his other numbers, his strikeout to walk ratio is right on par with his career. His ERA is right on par with his career. His FIP is right on par with his career. So really, his only qualm is at 39 years old, he's giving up a few more singles per game. Right, and he, he does walk a few more, but he's still striking out hitters at a good clip. High, his, he's actually striking out more per nine innings than his career numbers are. So, yes, his whip, his walks and hits per inning pitched are higher than what we like to see. But what's interesting, though, is typically the casual fan doesn't look at that kind of stuff. So if they are, good on them, you know, to actually sit down, look at the whip and the base runners and hits per nine and things like that. If you as a fan are doing that, excellent job. If you want to point that out and say, look at this, he's giving up more singles than normal. He's walking batters a little bit more than normal. It's possible, a high probability that he will have some regression based on his uh, expectancy stats from StatCast. All of that is true. And we probably will see some regression from Charlie Morton. It was just odd to me that... His on-field results have been a top 36 pitcher in Major League Baseball, and he's getting so much complaints. And I think what a lot of that has to do is when the Atlanta Braves are so good, like their roster is so complete, that people that just like to complain have to find something to complain about. And Charlie Morton is not as good as he used to be. So therefore, they're going to complain about the 39-year-old, almost 40-year-old pitcher. Okay, sure. One thing I would like to point out too is that while some regression is shown to happen, from a high-level standpoint, hitters have a batting average on balls in play well above league average. And what that means is as far as when they make contact with the ball, they're actually getting extremely lucky against Charlie Morton, which is why he's giving up more hits than normal. Batting average of balls in play does not show how hard they're hitting the ball. It doesn't show the power that they're having against him. But what it does show is that if you look at the batting average of balls in play versus the league average, because this year is a weird year because they limited the shift, 
But if you look at the league average, the league average batting balls, batting average of balls in play is around 297. And Charlie Morton's batting average of balls in plays against him for the season has been a 347, and over the past five games has been a 365. So hitters actually, as far as just purely getting hits off of him, has been they have been pretty freaking lucky. And what that means is, although, well, what it really means is it's going to be interesting over the next few starts as far as purely how many hits they're going to get against him because his ex- expected ERA is higher than his actual ERA and things like that. But at the same time, hitters are getting lucky against him. So the, his expectancy stats and his batting average of balls in play are actually like going in opposite directions as far as him being fortunate or not. So it's going to see how much that they counteract each other in the next few starts. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see that. But it is really interesting that looking at his on-field numbers, how many people are complaining. And typically when you see on social media certain people complain, uh, it's typically like Facebook and Twitter are the two main social media sources for baseball. And they seem to be complaining about different things or being upset about different things. And I think it's when you kind of get in like this vacuum of like your circle of friends or what what have you, your Facebook groups or whatever, certain people just see other people complaining and then they start having the conversations and complain about the same thing and they're separate social media accounts. And so people, you know, have grief with different things. Social media, both Twitter and Facebook, were all over Charlie Morton these past few starts. And so I just thought it was extremely bizarre. But one thing that, another thing that I got a lot of was, well, he's making $20 million. So he should be pitching like it. Or for the highest paid player uh, on the Braves rotation, he should be pitching a lot better, blah, blah, blah. Well, I want to break it down for you because that's a terrible argument. And I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone by saying that, uh, if you made it. But let me explain why it's a terrible argument. One, first off, we as Braves fans have been kind of spoiled in the fact that almost every single player on the Atlanta Braves roster is underpaid in terms of their market value. If you were to take those players put them in a free agent market, and then pay them the free agent price, most of the Braves, a large number of them. Actually, I would venture to say, other than Charlie Morton, who is right on par, every single player on the Atlanta Braves, you could argue Austin Riley with the way he's playing this year, maybe. Other than that, most of the players on the 26-man roster are underpaid as far as what they get in the free agent market. So just because one is paid at market value does not mean that he's actually overpaid. Another reason why this might stick out that he makes $20 million is the fact that the Braves have a lot of young players, especially in the rotation. In fact, you might not have realized it, but Charlie Morton is the only pitcher in the Atlanta Braves rotation that is post-team control or post arbitration 
So what that means is every single pitcher in the Braves rotation, Spencer Strider has signed an extension, but it's still the same thing. His extension was buying out a lot of his pre-arbitration and arbitration years. What this means is to, the way it works in Major League Baseball is you get underpaid until you hit free agency. And then once you hit free agency, that's when you get your true payday. And pre-arbitration players make the league minimum, which this year is 750000 So it doesn't matter if Bryce Elder was the best pitcher on the planet. He's making $750,000 because that's how the system is set up. And guys like Max Fried is making $13.5 million because he's in one of the final years of his arbitration. He can't make more than that. You go to arbitration, the arbitrators spit out the number. Max Fried was second in Cy Young last year, and he's making thirteen point five this year. If that tells you how much money you can make in arbitration, it's not nearly what you make in free agency. Also, Charlie Morton's contract is a team option next year. So really, it's a one-year contract, not much risk for only $20 million. So typically when you do a one-year deal, they'll give you a little bit more money to entice you to only take a one-year deal because it's a gamble from the player. But either way, Max Fried is the second highest paid pitcher on the rotation at $13.5 million, and he hasn't even reached free agency yet, and he was second place in Cy Young. So that just kind of shows you that it doesn't matter how good of a pitcher you are, until you hit free agency, you're not going to make a lot of money. So that's not Charlie Morton's fault that he's on a team. He's the only rotation member that has reached free agency. If Max Fried were to reach free agency tomorrow, he would make more than $20 million a year. Spencer Strider, if he was to hit free agency, would make more than $20 million a year. You could argue that Bryce Elder, after the season he's having this year, someone would pay him more than $20 million a year if he was a free agent. Just because they're pre-free agency does not mean that Charlie Morton is overpaid. It means that these players are underpaid as far as market value goes if they were to hit the free agency market. I understand that of the Braves' highest payroll they've ever had, they're eighth in the league, Charlie Morton takes up almost 10% of the payroll. I get it, but he's one of the few post-free agent players. Alex Anthopoulos has been a genius by getting most of his roster paid off by people that are pre-free agency. Even players like Matt Olson, who have been extended out beyond free agency, none of these players are players that they picked up after free agency, other than Marcelo Zuna, right? So, and even him, he waited out Marcelo Zuna and got him for less than the free agent market. So just because Charlie Morton is paid his market value in a free agency situation does not mean that he is overpaid. The other players just got signed on discount deals or are under team control, so therefore are not going to make a lot of money. It's a great roster construction. You fill up a team for way less money than what they'd get on the free agent market, and then you fill in holes with free agents. It's quite literally the opposite of what the Mets are doing, right? Speaking of which, I think this is a good time to show you why $20 million 
for a pitcher of Charlie Morton's caliber is really what free agents cost. I'm going to show you all the free agent pitchers that signed th this past year because that's really what you need to compare the $20 million to is what's the most recent free agent market. So we're going to look at the starting pitchers that signed in the 2023 offseason and we'll compare them to Charlie Morton and show you how they're doing versus how Charlie Morton's doing and see if $20 million is really what people would pay for pitchers of his caliber. All right, so let's go down the list of the 27 free agents that signed in 2023 that were starting pitchers. You got Jacob deGrom, who signed for five years, $185 million. That's $37 million a year. He's injured. Carlos Rodon, six years, $162 million, $27 a year. Injured. Justin Verlander, $86 million, $43 million a year, having the worst year of his career. Kode Senga, a five-year, $75 million, $15 a year, $15 million a year. Taiwan Walker, $72 million over four years, that's $18 a year. Jameson Tallinn, $68 million contract for over four years, that's $17 a year. Chris Bassett, three years, $63 million, that's $21 a year. Zach Eflin, $40 million over three years, that's 13.333 per year. Tyler Anderson, 39 over three, that's 13 a year. Nathan Eovaldi, 34 over two, that's 17 million a year. Michael Walker, <clears throat> 26 million over four, that's 6.5 a year. Jose Quintana, 26 over two, that's 13 a year. Ross Stripling, 25 over two, that's 12 and a half per year. Sean Manea, 25 over two. Andrew Heaney, 25 over two. Clayton Kershaw is the most uh, on par with Charlie Morton at one year and 20 million. Martin Perez is one year, 19.65 million. Drew Smiley, 19 million over one year. Jordan Lyles, two years at 17 million. Seth Lugo, two years, 15 million, so that's seven and a half per year. Noah Syndergaard, one year, it's 13 million. Mike Clevenger, one year, 12 million. Corey Kluber, one year, 10 million. Kyle Gibson, one year, 10 million. Matt Boyd, one year, 10 million. Zach Grinke, one year, eight and a half million. Johnny Cueto, one year, one, eight and a half. Michael Lorenzen, one year, eight and a half. Rich Hill, one year, eight million. Zach Davies is one year, five million. Wade Miley is one year, 4.5 million. Vincent Velasquez is one year, 3.15. Ryan Yarbrough, one year, at three million. And Cole Hamels actually signed a major league deal one year, two million. Okay, so obviously the lower ones, the ones that were listed last, lower risk with a higher reward in a sense of, you know, Ryan Yarbo, $3 million for one year is not much of a gamble. But when you start looking at all of the people that are signed, like Carlos Rodon, Jacob deGrom, and even other people like Martin Perez, who's at $19 million, uh, Jose Quintana, who's at $13 million. You look at Jamison Talion, that's $17 million. Taiwan Walker, $18 million. People like that, Tyler Anderson at $13 million. Chaminet at 12.5. Out of those 27 that are listed, only six pitchers on that entire list 
have more wins above replacement than Charlie Morton, which means he's staying healthy when some of them are not, or he's pitching better than them while on the field. And of those same, it's the same number of the amount of pitchers that have a better ERA plus or earn run average adjusted across the league. So to sit here and say that his $20 million is too much for him is just not true. In fact, there's quite a few pitchers on that list making more than him that either haven't pitched this year at all or are injured. And then you have guys that are making right around the same as him that have negative wins above replacement. That's how the free agent market works. Those type of pitchers cost that type of money. You look at guys like Martin Perez or Jamison Tallion making around the same as Charlie Morton. They, they were never supposed to be as good as Charlie Morton, and they're making almost as much as he is for one year, right? It just, free. that's what free agents cost. By the way, you're going to love the list of the people that are actually pitching better than Charlie Morton of the six. It's, it's a really interesting so the people that are pitching better than Charlie Morton so far on this list are people you would have never guessed at the beginning of the season. It's Kode Singa, which you might have guessed, you know, a, a star coming from Japan. But other than that, you got Zach Eflin, who the Rays lab took and converted to an excellent pitcher. Nathan Eovaldi, who kind of makes sense because when he's healthy, is excellent, and he's finally staying healthy. Michael Walker, a $6.5 million man. He, the, for whatever reason, the Padres were able to turn his career around. Clayton Kershaw, who's having a resurgence. Drew Smiley, who's having a resurgence. Drew Smiley, of all people, is having an excellent year for the Cubs. <laughs> He's a bargain at 9.5, which when pe- he was signed, people were probably upset. Of course, that one year he had with the Giants was really, really good. Uh, but, you know, after how he pitched for the Braves, it's kind of, Kind of hilarious. And Wade Miley at $4.5 million. So yes, there are a handful of people that will pitch excellent for a very low amount of money in comparison to others. It's true. It happens. And pitchers are able to have resurgent careers, resurgent years for their careers. So yes, there are a handful of pitchers and literally a handful. Well, six that sign free agent deals that are pitching better than Charlie Morton. But there's a lot more that aren't, especially when you look at the guys that are making a lot more money than he is as part of the free agent market, and he's right on par. So to say that he's making too much money or you're mad at Alex Anthopoulos for spending $20 million on Charlie Morton, that's just because us as Braves fans are spoiled in seeing our players not taking up a huge chunk of the payroll because they're either young and they haven't reached free agency yet or they signed a deal early in their career so that a few years into their free agency are below what they should be getting paid to the market value. That doesn't mean that if you pay a player market value that they're getting overpaid. It's just not true. At the end of the day, if Charlie Morton is what people want to complain about with the Braves, You know me, I like to keep it straight up, stick with stats, try to take bias out of it as much as I possibly humanly can. You know, you've heard me say and question decisions all the time. 
But if you're going to complain about something and it's Charlie Morton, that's the one thing you want to focus on complaining. To me, that just points to how awesome this Atlanta Braves team is this year. That if you're going to focus on a guy that has a sub-4 ERA when he's 39 years old, when he's paid the amount of money that's on par for his performance, then sure, complain about that. Just know that your complaining is not based on him being overpaid or him not performing at the level that was expected. He is paid right on par, and his performance is right on par with what his expectations were. So, just know that. I just wanted to make a podcast episode about that. As you can hear, my voice is starting to go out again. Super frustrating, and I apologize for that. But thanks for sticking with me. And I'm so excited the Braves officially, as of yesterday, or the time of this recording, as of yesterday, the Braves now have are on track for if they continue the exact same winning percentage that they have right now, it would be the best regular season they've ever had in the history of the Braves franchise ever. So that's pretty pretty neat. It's pretty fun. So with that, I hope they that you join in next week. I'll be up in Atlanta this upcoming week for the Marlins series, so I hope to see you there. If you see me, stop me, say hello. I'd love to talk to you. All right, that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining in. As always, don't forget to like and rate the new podcast feed so if people don't know that it exists, that they now will know it exists. It helps out a lot. Don't forget that we have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter at Braves Dugout Pod, Facebook group, actually. We have all the different socials, so check the show notes for that. And you can email the show at bravesdugout at gmail.com for any business inquiries or anything like that. Thanks so much for joining in. Super ecstatic for what the Braves are doing right now. As always, go Braves.